0: Today on Understanding Immigration, protecting children from the border crisis. Today on the podcast, we went with Sweetwater County, Wyoming, sheriff and county attorney to talk about a case that just happened in their own town. I will say before the podcast starts, the story is a little graphic, so viewer discretion is advised. Uh, The sheriff and the county attorney go in depth about a story where an eight-year-old inside of their county was sexually assaulted by an illegal alien who actually came across the border as a gotaway. Um, These are crimes that are happening in our communities every single day, and we decided to go a little more in depth. So people have an actual taste of what is going on. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in and here's the podcast. Hello folks and welcome into Understanding Immigration. With me today I have Sweetwater County Sheriff Grossnickel and County Attorney Aaron Moosebay. They're talking a little bit about a case that has been going on inside of their county about an eight-year-old girl who her and her family after a horrible attack on the girl. I wanted to talk a little bit about a previously deported convicted sex offender illegal alien um, who was in Wyoming after carrying a Washington State driver's license and was able to secure and Employment inside of Wyoming with a local oil company because of that, uh, sheriff and county attorney. Do you guys have, what do you want to tell me about the story? I'm not sure if you guys have something planned. Uh, you know, take the floor, please. We'd love to hear a little bit more about it.
1: I'll take this, John. Uh, on June 1st, 2021, uh, the sheriff's office received a report or a call from a local hospital about an eight-year-old girl with a possible sexual assault. Uh, Detective uh, Jeff Sheeman attended, uh, went up to the hospital, was able to meet with the eight-year-old girl, um, very traumatized uh, child, um, and, but basically explained to the detective that uh, her uncle, um, a man by the name of Luis Saavedra, uh, had sexually assaulted her. I mean, she, obviously, she didn't use those words, but she talked about uh, being touched by him. He took her in a truck and touched her. Um she went into an investigation or uh, went into the emergency room where she was examined, and uh, she had severe tears um, to her genitalia. Um, eventually, she she was taken to Primary Children's Hospital at the University of Utah, where she underwent surgery to uh, fix those tears. In the process, uh, the sheriff's office interviewed um, Mr. Made the made the arrest on on Mr. Saavedra uh, the same day. So this all happened on June 1st. It, it, it's rare that we see something that's boom, boom, like this and and uh, where sexual assault occurs and we have immediate um, uh, access to the defendant without doing a, a huge, long drawn out uh, investigation. So it was just great work by the sheriff's office. Uh, eventually the little girl was healed. When she came back into town, she was able to, uh, the sheriff's office, did what's called a cat interview. And it's basically a forensic interview of a child that is, uh, uh monitored and, um, uh, it's done in a, in, in a, an appropriate way. So as not to, um, what we refer to as taint the child's testimony. And in that uh, cat interview, the, the small child was able to give a little bit more information. And basically what happened was, is that this, uh, uh, She called him her uncle, although it's not a biological uncle. It's just a uh, Mr. Saavedra dates her aunt. And uh, basically, he had come to her house to pick her up to go get McDonald's. Uh, She was there with her 14-year-old brother. He leads the brother, takes the small child. They go to McDonald's. And on the way back, he pulls into an abandoned or Schlumberger oil company used to uh, have their their business in Sweetwater County. It's been abandoned for, for a while now when the boom dropped off. He parked back there, moved her to the back seat of the of the truck, the work truck that he was in, and sexually assaulted her. The, the tough part about this case is this, this child was talking about how she tried to get away. She was screaming for help and, and, and she thought somebody would come, but nobody would come to help her. Um, when she tried to open the door, he slammed the door, locked the door, and uh, brutally assaulted her. He then gave her a rag, told her to clean up and threw the rag outside the window, then dropped her off back home, brought in a hamburger for her brother and said, don't tell anybody and left. Um, it's interesting. Two days later, as she was coming back from the hospital, she was driving with her mom. She didn't, she didn't know the place where he took her. As they drove past the, the, the Schlumberger building, she said, that's the place, that's the place. So they called Sheriff's office, Detective Sheeman arrived on the scene. And lo and behold, the rag was still there despite being out there two, three days and uh, able to take the rag into testimony or take the rag into evidence, went to send it to the crime lab. And it came back with uh, Saavedra's semen, as well as the DNA from the blood of the little girl on the rag. And so... We charged him with uh, first-degree sexual assault of a minor, aggravated kidnapping—actually, two counts because there was uh, primary children were able to discern that there were two forms of intrusion: one on the vagina, one on the anus—and uh, she suffered slight tears on the anus as well. And after a, a, a lengthy sentencing, the judge imposed a sentence of 125 years. Mr. Savedra.
0: Okay, so 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 he's behind bars now. Is that what I'm understanding?
1: He is behind bars, and he will—he will most likely die behind bars.
0: Okay, okay. And now I'm curious. One of the focuses main here at Fair, obviously, as we focus a lot on the immigration aspect of these issues, um, is there a, a place where he would be deported since he's here illegally, or is he here, you know, behind bars on the U.S. taxpayer dime on top of these atrocities that he committed?
1: He, he will be here on the taxpayer dime one of, one of the problems we had is that Mr Saavedra was a sex offender from 2001 in a in a neighboring county he was convicted of immodest and indecent liberties with a minor uh he did a small jail sentence and then deported him and that's and that's sad to say but that happens quite a bit in the sense that uh, you know we know he's going to get deported I shouldn't say we, but, you know, prosecutions, the state knows he's going to get deported. So they give him a small sentence and then and then uh, he leaves. Um, We had spoken with immigration and they said, you know, we we have notes that we actually watched him cross across when we dropped him off at the border. We watched him walk across the border Well, he just turned around and came right back. And uh, we don't know when he came back. We don't know how long he'd been here, but he had employment up here in, in Wyoming. So he had designs and he was thinking that in this particular case, the same thing was going to happen to him, that he was going to do a small sentence and he was going to be deported. We know this through his jail calls. We were able to listen to his jail calls. And actually, in one of the jail calls, he talked about, yeah, once I get deported, I'm just going to come right back because, you know, I've lived here most of my life. So it was his intention that he was just going to come right back if he got deported again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, that's something that we've been witnessing here and something that we report on a lot is the fact that, you know, not only do we have people who are coming across, you know, once people get sent back, they end up coming across again and again and again. And from the sounds of it, the way that he was able to get up to Washington, get this driver's license was almost like he came up as a gotaway. He wasn't caught by Border Patrol the second time around, from my understanding. So, I mean, we we have people who are coming across who we're not even able to track. We're not able to stop them when they come because of the massive flow that we have. Um, Quick question for for Sheriff Grossnickel, over there um, when you are evaluating this case you know you have a suspect in custody is does it make the sort of trying to find him trying to track him down does that make it harder on your end when we don't have him documented inside of the United States as a citizen and we don't have sort of a background on him
2: it absolutely does in fact in this case um, through some investigation that we have done we had done here in the county we we knew Mr Savedro was somewhere in the area Uh, because of a license plate reader and uh, for over a year uh, along with the marshal service we were trying to track him down and were unable to because we had nothing concrete that was documented of where he would be Um, there's a couple times that that some of our our detectives and staff uh, had uh, observed his vehicle and we just could not find him and unfortunately this was the outcome uh, because like you said we didn't have documentation of where he he was or or where he could be if he had that documentation and uh, he would have been employed legally through a company. It, it would have been a lot easier to find him. It, everybody knows that.
0: Mm-hmm. So even though he had the driver's license, he was still illegally employed by this company. Correct. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Now, how do you guys work together to sort of figure out, I mean, there's a lot of moving different parts here. Do you go, you know, straight to the attorney's office and you say, you know, we don't have really a lot of documentation on this guy. We don't know how this all adds up. And then you guys are able to put it together, so to speak, or how do we end up coming to the conclusion, finding this guy and actually putting him away?
2: Again, uh, like County Attorney Aaron Mosby indicated, it was great police work. Uh, we work well with the, the County Attorney's Office and, and, that's our ultimate goal is to to keep our citizens safe from, from perpetrators like this. And, and sometimes it's luck when everything comes together. Uh, had they, the, the mother and the victim not driven past that, that business, we may never have gotten that piece of evidence, but in 27 years of police work, sometimes you do need luck, but everything came together. All the pieces came together. And, and, uh, I, that's one of the things I look at is, is as bad as this crime was, There has to be positive outcomes and him being in prison is a positive outcome. But being able to tell the story of undocumented uh, criminals coming back across the border and reoffending our country needs to know this and and know how big of an issue it is. It it just doesn't stop at the border. Our open borders come all the way up to the middle of our country in, in Sweetwater County or Rock Springs, Wyoming. And and. It's something that that all the citizens in this country need to understand that it's only gonna get worse before it gets better if something isn't changed.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. And you know, something we say here in Washington a lot is, you know, every state is a border state. I mean, everywhere you go, you have these crimes. I mean, you know, you're up in Wyoming, you're up in Washington, either of these places where this illegal alien was residing. um, It's so far away from the border, and yet it's still so close to our face. Um, Something I'm curious about is, is is this an isolated crime for you guys? Is this, you know, having someone who's undocumented in the area who's causing these crimes? Is this a brand new thing? Is this something you guys have experienced before? Or we noticed it uptick in this type of activity
1: i, I think it's uh I, I wouldn't say it's an uptick it's always it's always been there we've always had this aspect duis are very prevalent with uh um some undocumented um aliens coming up here and and uh uh crimes of violence do occur um this is the worst i've seen uh this is one of the worst cases i've seen in 26 years of uh practicing law and you know the the thing about You could do quite a bit of uh, legislation, like for instance, you know, we have a a, like most states, like I think all states have a a registry for sex sex offenders, but that can only apply to people up here legally that want to stay here legally, and it can only apply to citizens of the United States. When you have an illegal alien who's supposed to register as a sex offender, he's she's just not going to, you know, and so uh, so there's no you know, so it's completely ineffective. He's going to get deported, you know.
0: Yeah it's ineffective in tracking them and it's ineffective in you know figuring it out because we have just this flow over um and you know i i know and i keep focusing on this driver's license because i feel like it's just so surreal that someone's able to get this documentation inside of the country and um not only does it affect where the state is where they're receiving it but the fact that they're able to move into other states and now they have some sort of legal documentation while they're here undoc while while they're here while they're undocumented um it, it's just kind of a surreal concept to me so what i'm curious about is you know when you see people do you see a lot of people with driver's licenses from out of state or do you think these type of licenses giving out documentation to people who are undocumented who don't have their full citizenship is this something that makes it sort of easier for these crimes to happen does it make it easier for them to get into the country and stay into the country or have you guys noticed an uptick in you know people having driver's licenses who are undocumented
2: speaking from a law enforcement aspect there, there has been an increase of documentation of um, other states that have these uh, the licenses that they're just handing out. When I first started a few decades ago, you, you would see Mexican driver's licenses. Um, you, you would see green cards, um, things of that nature. Now you, you're just seeing driver's licenses from uh, states that are in the Northeast, or I'm sorry, the Northwest uh, part of the United States. And what's really frustrating as somebody that's lived here in in Wyoming all my life is I still have to take three forms of documentation to to not even just get a driver's license, but to renew my driver's license. So it's very frustrating when you see that. And and yes, there has has been an increase of of what seems to be a legitimate form of uh, identification from the United States on people that are undocumented
0: yeah do you think that these these crimes would cut down um, more if that i mean if these weren't initiatives which were being passed throughout different states um and i think there's a, at least around eight nine states in the country right now that have these types of laws where undocumented people are able to get driver's licenses do you think if that these weren't available we would see less crime
1: well i i definitely think that this this particular crime could have been avoided because you know if he has uh, if he doesn't have proper documentation and he can't get a job, then, then he's definitely a little bit, uh, uh, less likely to be up here. And, uh, when you can get a job and work and, and with the driver's license that, that doesn't require any specific background and, and you're supposed to register as a sex offender, but you don't have to, cause you got this fake ID or this ID that gives you credence, um, you know, I, that's how you get away with stuff. And, and, and it's, uh, uh, it, you could talk about kids getting a fake ID in college to be able to go drink and do anything else that they want to do yeah. when they're under the age of 21. It's, it's a, it's a license to do what you want. And I think anytime you give credibility to somebody up here, uh, somebody who's here illegally, um, that they're going to tend to feel that they can do a little bit more than somebody that is here legally that, that is uh, responsible for uh, making sure that they can keep their job and, and keep their livelihood going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and it seems like it's really just, you know, these policy decisions are the ones which are making it easier for people to get these. I mean, you know, like you said, you don't have to go to the route of trying to get a fake one where you can get a real one from a lot of these states. It's absolutely wild. Um, So, you know, these open borders, you know, not only do they allow people to come across our border who had previous criminal records, we're we're also talking about, you know, this gotaway problem that we touched on a little bit earlier. Do you guys, is it often that you experience people who have come re-entered across our border and weren't caught again. And then you guys find them. And it's like, you know, you call up ice and say, you know, this guy's here. I'm not sure if he's him this time when he was coming across the border. Um, You know, is there anything we could do to try to remedy the situation?
2: What's crazy about that is I've seen uh, the progression and it depends what administration's in office Um, before president Trump. I can tell you, for instance, uh, there was a van that we had stopped that was loaded with undocumented uh, citizens and, uh, at that time it was hands off. So we had to allow a van that had 17 people crammed in it to go on their way. Um, During uh, President Trump's administration, uh, it was a lot easier to get cooperation from um, Homeland Security investigators. And they were out here often visiting us. And um, we'd be going to residence where we knew that there was uh, undocumented that had uh, entered the country illegally that were criminals. And uh, we would take them, enforcement action or, or give them inf- uh, the information they needed so they could take enforcement action. Now it's a handoff approach again. Um, here at our local jail, we house uh, four ICE while they're being transported from uh, one facility to another. And that number has gone, uh, almost gone away from where it was. Just two years ago, there's still some there, but uh, not nearly the numbers that we that we had seen before. So it has changed and it just depends on what administration and, and what their policies are.
0: Of course. Of course. So would you say, you know, like during the Obama years, there was, you know, more people coming across. Trump years, you say, it dumps down a little bit. And then in the Biden years, we see a little bit more of this increase in crossings. Um, You know, we have people who are coming across who are committing crimes like we're talking about right now. We have drugs flowing across. Do we see this as, you know, the next two years are coming along as this is going to, you know, Title 42. I'm sure you guys know about that ending. Um, When it does, we're going to see a dramatic increase in this kind of activity is what we're looking at, right?
1: I would I would think so. Uh, you know, the uh, um, when you're talking what 15,000 a day possibly and and uh, mm-hmm. there's just no good answer or, or good solution or good consequence that's going to occur when you have that uh that influx. I mean the the uh, and it's going to make its way up here. It's going to make its way up even to the little Wyoming. you know, we have the largest section of i80 that runs, across the United States, it's in our jurisdiction. We have the eighth largest geographical county in mm-hmm. uh, the United States. And so there's a lot of traffic that goes through this this county. Uh, you know, uh, I-80 is just a, a, a massive thoroughfare. And then we have uh, a 25 coming up from the south and that hits into Salt Lake and, and then, which hooks up to I-80. So we are, we're at the crux of it. And, and to imagine that this is all stemming From that southern border and coming up, we can only expect that things are going to get much, much worse.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and with the highways crossing there, I could only imagine the kind of trafficking that there is. I mean, whether it's trafficking or, dr- or drug trafficking, both of them, I mean, there's such an increase. And I mean, almost, we're seeing right now a rate of 107,000 Americans yearly, mostly youth, are dying from illicit narcotics crossing our border. Um, FAIR did a study where we found that, you know, there were more people that died in the past year from fentanyl overdoses than died of COVID, died of car accidents, all these things that were more, more you know, atten- to hearing young people dying from fentanyl is now overtaking this because, and I, I, the only reason I could think to see is because of this open border. Have you guys noticed more drugs in the community, more fentanyl in the community, types of overdoses and things like this that you wouldn't have previously with the change of the administration and the opening of the border?
2: We, yeah, yeah there has. Oh, okay. go ahead, John. Okay. You're, you're mutual, yes, yeah. I I, say I, that. I'll let Danny uh talk about it a little bit too, but yes, we have. Um. And I always say Wyoming's a few years behind the rest of the nation, but we have seen an an increase of of overdoses. We've seen an increase of the use of uh, Naloxone also uh, to the point of we're we're taking the precautions and just like anybody else would in in the United States. And as uh, the county attorney said, we have 150 miles of Interstate 80 that goes through our county. And that's they've they done a count of 36,000 vehicles that go through our county a day. Um, so it's a main thoroughfare. We have a, a, a highway that comes straight up uh, from Mexico that comes straight into our, our jurisdiction. And then it's, you know, once you hit our county, you're 55 miles until you hit I-80. And then it's east to west as fast as you want to go.
1: And, and, and we're seeing these cases come in where, uh, you know, fentanyl, We can't necessarily track it all the way down to to the border, but I mean, there's an assumption that that it's since that's the main influx of it that that's where it's coming from, and uh, you know we're we're in a position where we're just dealing with what we have locally as far as who's using who's dealing the overdoses on that that we can't you know like most states we're helpless on the influx. I mean, how do you stop something that's coming from far far away? into your community. You can only deal with bailing the boat out with your, you know, red solo cup and, and hope that, you know, somebody stops the flow of water and eventually,
0: yeah, yeah, no, that's that, that's terrible, and there's so there's just it's so baffling to me how it's just gotten so bad. Even in places you know like Wyoming, we're seeing this crisis come to to really the front door and knock on your guys's door, where you have to deal with these problems and deal with the consequences of what's coming across. Um, one last thing, I kind of wanted to ask you guys to kind of get your ideas would be, uh, you know, from a local perspective. We talk a lot here, you know, to different people who whether they're national reporters, whether they're congressional members, things like that. We get a lot of a national perspective. On what could be done to try to fix this problem? Do you guys have a different take from a local perspective, just seeing inside of your community, things that could be done to try to stop these atrocities from happening and try to curb these crimes?
2: Well, I'm not going to speak for for Danny, but I, I I know I know Danny and his family. But I'll speak for my family. Everybody talks about uh, immigration reform, and it needs to go back down to the the very basic levels it was and. When people look at the history they understand the border crossings and things like that when they become familiar but uh, my family on my mom's site uh, came to the united states uh, at the turn of uh, the 20th century but they came over here legally and i have no issue with that and if we're able to do that and vet the criminals the ones that are c- commit these these horrible crimes into our country that's where it needs to start it, and to me it's very simple and Instead of putting money in other places, let's put it at where we're going to protect our country and those that legally want to come over in, into our country and, and become productive citizens, or, or even if they don't become citizens, become productive within our country. That's where it needs to start. And for this current administration to turn their back on that, and they see it, everybody knows they see it, um, it, 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 it isn't what this country is made of, and, and to me it's just disgusting.
1: I, I would agree with with John. You, we live in a, a community, uh, Rock Springs, Wyoming, which is uh, in Sweetwater County. is known as their their little motto is the fifty eight home of fifty eight nationalities It was built by immigrants. Uh, I'm only a second generation uh, uh, citizen. My my grandparents were all from Europe and uh, came over here, worked as sheep herders and and butchers and 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 all that stuff. They did they did so legally and. And like most of the people in this county, they were their second, maybe third generation citizens. All their their uh, ancestry is is short lived in, in the United States. Uh, but the, there's there's an issue in the sense that we're ignored, like most of the red flyover states, is that uh, the the coastal doesn't coastal elite. They don't care about what happens here. and we're facing the consequences of their apathy towards keeping the the border secure and uh we're the ones that are dealing with it in, in my office back in the day when i say back in the day it wasn't that long ago if you know if, if somebody got uh, an illegal alien received a dui um, you know the one of the arguments for the defense attorney was ah you know he's got to get deported let's give the guy a break and, and sometimes that would happen is that you give him a break because he has a job, he's got family up here, but you don't want him to get deported. Well, that in my office, that's it's an aggravating factor if he's here illegally, and uh, uh, we don't give breaks based on the fact that something traumatic is going to happen to him and his family. It's the only thing we can do. We're charged. John and I are charged with keeping the people of Sweetwater County safe. Publics, I'm unapologetic when it comes to public safety of our community, and I think you need local leaders. In, in every county, it starts there in every county, in every city, to take into consideration the factors that uh, uh, affect their ability to keep their local citizens citizen, citizenry safe. And if we start doing that, then maybe it'll climb up the chain a little bit. I think sometimes even the local leaders tend to turn a little a blind eye to what's actually happening and what, how it affects their, their own uh, citizens of course of course
0: well I I could tell you coming from me and coming from all of our listeners here we appreciate all the work that you guys are doing and making sure that the streets are safe making sure that you're you know cleaning up the streets making sure that these crimes aren't happening and we're trying to see some kind of downturn even though you guys are up against the lot I know you guys are working working tirelessly and making sure that the the people of your county and I mean the people of of really the whole country with those highways coming through are staying safe so really really thank you for all that Um, if there was a place where people wanted to either follow the this case or follow what you guys are up to, you know, see some of the, see some of the different arrests you're doing, the things you're finding in your County. Is there a place they could find you, you know, Twitter, Facebook, anything like that? Uh,
2: sheriff's office. We have uh, Sweetwater County, Wyoming uh, sheriff's office Facebook page. That's where they can uh, keep track of what we're doing here in Sweetwater County and keep track of this case. Also um, here in the near future, uh, we've had an outpouring of people that want to help the family because of uh, uh, the costs that have been uh, incurred from this crime. So if, the, if they want to look there, uh, we'll be having something in, in the near future that people can reach out and see that. But we, we always encourage people to see what's going on in, in the middle of our country. Um, they call it God's perfect square, and that's the state of Wyoming, and Sweetwater County is uh, the best county within Wyoming. And, and like Danny said, we want to keep it that way, and we encourage people to come check it out.
0: Of course of course cool. Well, thank you guys so much for joining the program everyone uh, of course you could catch this podcast on youtube on rumble of course anywhere where spot podcast could be listened to spotify google apple uh feel free to follow fair on facebook uh at fair immigration on twitter and instagram and we look forward to you guys joining us on the next show thanks so much for coming on again county attorney and sheriff uh, we appreciate you having ron and we appreciate the work you're doing thank you so much